Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Oh, yes. So, everybody, and welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. My goodness, do we have an exciting one for you. You know, it's like I don't want to pick what's my favorite podcast because it's like picking your favorite child. But I have to say, this one, this time around, with Tim Salmon, is one of the all-time great ones because we were able to go through basically game by game of the Angels' 2002 World Series run, talking about all the key moments, and obviously the Kingfish, Mr. Angel, was a part of so many of those. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that conversation uh, with you in just a couple of minutes. For those that aren't aware, it's a really cool thing happening right now on both the TV side and radio side, going through the entire 2002 playoff run, showing off all the wins of that playoff run. I mean, it is awesome. Uh, You know, just the other night, I was watching Game 2 of the American League Division Series and and thinking about some of the things that really jumped out to me. Obviously, the Angels, I remembered how aggressive they were on the bases. I I forgot just how aggressive they were. But, you know, the Angels were kind of ahead of their time. They were doing a lot of heavy shifts, like on Jason Giambi. Uh, We saw some of those things. Uh, We saw Francisco Rodriguez, a 20-year-old, make his postseason debut. uh, What was his his sixth career game appearing in the Bronx in Yankee Stadium? He ends up getting the win, though things didn't go that great uh, for K-Rod that day. But, you know, K-Rod at that time was was being used as like a high-leverage guy by Mike Sosha. Just remarkable. Um, Kevin Apier getting out of a monster fifth inning jam and just saying that, you know, there was no pitch count on the screen at the time. So he didn't know what the pitch count was. You knew it was high for Kevin Apier, but he had to work through a really stressful fifth inning and was able to get out of that. I mean, big moments like that, that over time, we remember the big home runs. We remember, you know, Scott Spezio's home run in Game 6 of the World Series, Troy Gloss's home run later in that game. We remember the really big moments, but 
I love that we're going back and watching and listening to a lot of the intricacies of these games. And I, I just think that the, the trip back in time, 18 years to 2002, is unbelievably exciting. I'm so glad we're getting a chance to do this. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I've been live tweeting the games, something that I think I'm going to continue to do. No official Angels recap show, but uh, we do have this Angels recap podcast, and it is lots of fun, and you can enjoy it at any time. I don't want to take up any more of your time because this Angels at Home thing is really exciting me. Of course, you go to angels.com slash home. Check out you know cool recipes that are up right now. Uh, fun activities, drawing, uh, coloring activities uh, for some of the kids. This podcast is up there as well as uh, Madden Mondays that Joe Madden does with Roger Lodge every week. There, there's a lot of great stuff. In-game stadium uh, entertainment elements. It's all at angels.com slash home and I really encourage you uh, to go check that out. Alright, I don't want to take up any more of your time because you have to hear this and tell your friends. If you are an Angels baseball fan, this is like a mandatory listen. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome World Series champion Tim Salmon. All right, so as we're breaking down this 2002 playoff run, which is so much fun to watch on Fox Sports West and listen to on AM830, you got to have Mr. Angel, the Kingfish, Tim Salmon, and he is joining us now here on the Angels Recap Podcast and Angels Recap Show. Tim, I appreciate you being here, and I, I tell you, I was like jumping up and down yesterday watching game two of the ALDS when you hit that first inning home run against the Yankees, the, the David versus Goliath matchup. Man, it is fun going back and, and watching these. Have you had a chance to, to watch these games and kind of relive them? You know, I, I haven't um, actually to this point. Um, not a whole lot. I know that this is something that you guys are getting to watch out there, but in Arizona, I didn't get a chance to watch it last night, and I'm going to be doing some stuff here for Fox, so I'm, I'm trying to get caught up on it and just kind of make sure my memory lines up with uh, the, the things that actually happened because you know what time can do over you know to our memories over time. So, of course. Well, I went through and, and took some of the notes for you, so so I so I got I got it down, but I want I do want to know. <laughs> some of your thoughts about especially some of the emotions like coming to that Yankee series yeah. like game two you hit that home run you get the lead they end up taking the lead back but then you win it later in that game um what was the significance of that do you remember just considering the Yankees had been to four straight world series and you know the Angels had never won a playoff series it was like you know the the, the you know biggest name superstar team against a bunch of guys that people didn't know all that well outside of Southern California was that something that you guys were thinking about going into that series? You know, not so much. I mean, I, I think in hindsight, you know, you look at it, I mean, it's the number one seed probably against the number eight seed or whatever. I mean, yeah. um, nobody was really giving us much of a, a chance. Uh, you know, we had grinded. I mean, you, you go back to that season and what it took for us to get there and the way that team just kind of came together and melded together and, um, you know, by the time we got to the point of, okay, we're going to be in the postseason, you know what? <laughs> we were so deep in the fire. I mean, we were so grinding that it didn't, it didn't matter who we played because we just knew that in any situation, we were an opponent that I didn't care what, nobody cared what, you know, you know, we didn't care what they thought about us. We knew what kind of team we had and we knew that anybody we played against, you know, we were going to, um, you know, grind it out. And, and it just didn't matter who we played. And the fact that it was the Yankees was probably the best thing that could have happened because, um, you know, let's, hey, if you want to win it all, you got to take on, you know, you know, those are at the top of the throne. And 
and that was the Yankees, and that was our mindset. And 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 in, when you look at that makeup of those teams that I was on in those those years, I mean, we always played the Yankees well. I mean, we were probably the one team that probably had one of the best winning percentages against the Yankees, and you know, we just matched up well. So we weren't intimidated by playing the Yankees. I think if there's anything, it was just more of you know, the excitement of, okay, what is the postseason? What does it look like? Because <laughs> none of us had right. ever been there before. So I think that's probably where the most of the anxiety was. And, you know, we had great coaches. And, you know, I'm thinking about Mickey Hatcher, you know, just, hey, tee it high and let it fly, you know, and Mickey's emotion and energy, you know, just that before that first game of the Yankees. And he was just like, hey, go out there and have fun. This is your stage. You've earned it. Go out there and let it, you know, let it all hang out. And that's pretty much the way that team played all the way through the playoffs. It was just so cool to see, like, the grit and the toughness. Like, for example, in game two, Kevin Apier gets out of, like, a fifth-inning jam, but he was, like, grinding to get every single one of those outs, and he got a huge spot. But that fifth inning is always kind of the make-or-break inning, it seems like, and he got through it just through his sheer will and toughness, it felt like. Um, so it was cool seeing that, and that's kind of, you know, I, I hate to say old school because it wasn't that long ago, but, you know, you, you do want to see more of that in today's game. No question. I do have to ask you about game three, though, where you drove in four runs. You had the two in the third, gave your team, gave the Angels a five-run lead at the time. The Yankees climb all the way back. Then in the eighth, your home run basically sealed that. Now you guys have a chance. You're not just facing the Yankees. You have a chance now, like in 12 hours, to go eliminate the Yankees. At that moment, when you hit that home run and you guys kind of pretty much knew you were going to win that game, what was the feeling in that moment that, <laughs> hey, we got a real shot here. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think, I don't know, maybe I'm different than other players, but I don't think there's ever a point where you're like, I think we're just, we're going to win this game. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, you're pretty much grinding. You're in the, you're in the middle of the fire. You're battling. Um, you know, you're, I think that's the one thing that made that team so unique is that we didn't allow ourselves to get beyond the moment. We didn't allow ourselves to get beyond the next pitch. Um, on the on defense at the plate on the mound um you know it wasn't until probably after the game's over that maybe you recollect but um you know even going into that last game against the yankees what stood out to me was more a fear of okay we can't let him win because we don't want to go back to yankee stadium and have to face roger clemens in that environment <laughs> so there was some motivation to win just because we knew that um the odds would really be against us if we had to get on that plane and go back and um, you know, but, but even then, you know, you got to play the game. I mean, and, um, it's just, you know, you just never know how things going to turn out. You know, that, that game four, you know, went really well, you know, wash, you know, pitched great for us. And, um, you know, we had, I mean, that was the game we had that big inning where we scored all those runs. And, you know, what, what, when I look back on that game, what I reflect on, you know, I think it was, was it Sean Wooten? I think he had a few hits and Benji Gill. I mean, it was the, or it was the guys that, you know, our bench players that really came through huge in, in those games that, um, that, you know, I think that made the difference all the way through our run. I mean, we had a bench that contributed and at different times. And, you know, when you sit back and you think about that team, there were so many guys that had their highlight moment of their career. And that's what happened in that, in that last game against the Yankees. We had that huge inning and, you know, some relatively unknown, or I shouldn't say unknown, but bench guys came through in a huge way for our club to win. Yeah, it was uh, it was a sight, and then to have that big inning, the, the eight run fifth in Game Four that you alluded to, that series. 
pretty remarkable. It's funny you bring that up because, like, even Joe Buck on the broadcast was saying, like, wow, the Angels' reaction is a little bit muted here. Like, it's almost like he kind of like, – everyone else thought, oh, you should be jumping up and down. You're lucky to be here. And, and you guys kind of had a little swag about you. Like, no, man, we're here to win. You know, and, and I don't know if you would say swag, but it was just – it was it was a confidence. It was um, – it was a very business-like confidence and we didn't care. We were up to the challenge. I mean, we had our characters. I mean, we, that, the makeup of that team, you know, we didn't have that one superstar, but boy, we had a lot of above average players. And yeah. like I said, we had a strong bench. We had characters on that team. We had, you know, David Eckstein from being the steady, you know, blinders on to, you know, to guys like Genji Gill, who, you know, could keep things loose and goof around a lot to, you know, we had guys like Brad Fulmer, you know, he, he was just a great teammate to have. And, you know, you just had so many different personalities and guys that could, you know, at whatever the moment that we needed to have that emotional, whatever it was, there was somebody there to fill that, fit that void and, and, you know, get that team back on track. So, it was it was a unique team. I wouldn't say we had swagger like the Yankees did for by you know, by no means. I mean, they came in, you know, probably with a heck of a lot more pressure because they were expected to beat us easily. And you know, we were the team that really had nothing to lose. I mean, our backs were against the wall all season, kind of playing with house money. And you know, we're kind of happy to be there, but at the same time, going, you know, we're dangerous. You better watch out. You better bring your A game. And, and that's what I think everybody saw throughout the, the whole postseason. I'll never forget the look on so many Yankees' faces when you guys eliminated them. It was just like it was pure shock. But then you go to the ALCS, and you come off that big emotional series against the Yankees. Tim, you had an absolutely monster series there. Then the ALCS, you didn't get a hit until Game 5. I mean, granted, you were still getting on base, but then in Game 5, you bust out for three. How important was that game for you to propel the World Series that you would have? Well, I, okay. I mean, you know, a couple of things. I mean, the Minnesota Twins, they were the one team in the postseason was most like us. I mean, they had very much that same kind of a makeup and team. Um, they were scary. I mean, of all the teams we thought about, you know, playing, you know, you kind of secretly hope um, maybe that, you know, because the Twins were the one team that we, we played during the year that really matched up well against us. And so when we knew it would, we beat the Yankees. I mean, again, you're like, okay, whoever, we'll play whoever's next. But, you know, when you look at the matchup between the Yankees or the Twins, we would probably have said we, you know, we had a little bit more consternation playing the Twins than the Yankees. I mean, just because that matchup. But as far as the way that series went, I mean, you know, it was a tough series and things, you know, things teetered. I mean, there were some close ball games there, games one and three. And, you know, there was some good pitching on both sides going. And, um, you know, for me personally, I mean, it was just some matchups. They had a couple right-handers that, you know, I, I struggled with, you know, Joe Mays, I mean, Brad Radke. I mean, those are guys that are going to shut down righties for the most part, or at least, you know, a lot of the righties. And, and so I, I can look back with that at, with a little bit more clarity just because they were guys that gave me fits even during the regular season. But um, it wasn't even a personal note. That's why you play a team game because we had a lot of other guys that were able to have success off them. And, you know, nobody bigger than Adam Kennedy, obviously, there in game five. I mean, what a day he had. I mean, just that, that was, it's so surreal. Um, and it probably doesn't get as much credit as he should. I mean, you know, if he had done that in the Yankee uniform, you know, people, you know, they put him the same likes as Reggie Jackson, but um, you know, it, it's more of a regional thing. He's a, he's a cult hero, 
but that was a huge performance by by Adam Kennedy, and um, you know that was the reason we we got through that that twin series. And uh, hey, it's a it's a team game, you know. My teammates picked me up, I suppose, in that series. But you know, hey, it's just the way it goes. Well, I would say that you would come through and make good on that just a few days later in that World Series against the Giants. You guys drop game one, game two, Tim, for me, one of the most memorable games of all time, and you know where I'm going. Uh, one of the biggest home runs in Angels history, eighth inning tie game. David Eckstein over at first. There's two outs with Felix Rodriguez on the mound. Then the Kingfish, Tim Salmon, digs in. Uh, can you walk us through what happens next? Well, you know, when, when I think back on that scenario, I mean, there, there was a lot of things that, um, that, that were just going well for me. And I mean, my, my approaches and the, you know, facing guys coming out of the pen that were the fireballers, I had a nice approach going, you know, throughout that season. And, um, you know, it, it, I, I preach it to my kids today. It's like, you know, if you, if you practice, if you can visualize being in these situations, then when they happen, you're not surprised by them. And in that moment there, I mean, I think that was a moment, I mean, if, if you truly go back to when I was a kid, I mean, we've all been in those moments as a kid in the backyard, right? I mean, but leading into the to that game, I mean, all year long, I had fa- been in those kinds of moments facing that guy coming out of the pin, and I had a great approach and um, knew what I wanted to do. It, there was no guessing. There was no um, – there was nothing that was, you know, m- making me apprehensive or hold back and um, – you know, and so when it, when I executed the home run, I mean, it was kind of I was I wasn't really surprised by it. I mean, it was it, you know it, it's one of those rare moments for athletes when you're when you're in your game and you're executing the way you expect to be you know execute things. And um, you know, a, uh, David Eckstein set the tone. He got on base, and you know, the nursey did his thing. And you know, so I, I knew what was coming. I, I mean, I knew a fastball was coming, and I was ready for it and jumped on it. But I'll, I'll just say that. There was a moment running, rounding the bases that, you know, I was never one to really, you know, pimp it or anything. And I still, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine me ever trying to pimp a home run, but I was des- I was definitely telling myself to slow this one down, just absorb this, take it in as long as you can. And, um, you know, it was over in a heartbeat. And I look back now and I, it didn't look like I slowed down, but I, I, it was, the moment was really huge. I mean, it was one of those moments in every player's, life you know you hopefully you get to experience where you're like okay this is significant you know this is doing it on the biggest stage and you know just take it in as best you can and I knew what it meant for our team too I mean it gave us the lead you know with Percy coming in and um you know that 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 was a good feeling to have and exactly what we needed in that game when did you realize kind of the significance of that home run because like fish i've been with you when we've seen that on the video boards of the big a like it's shown pretty much every single night these days well you know i think the significance i mean i look look back on it i mean you always want to get that first win in a series and in in every series we gave up that first game so it's vitally important that you win a game and especially a game like that where it's so back and forth i mean that that game really the giants probably deserve that to win that as much as we did and you know, if the Giants win that game, they go up 2 nothing going into San Francisco, it's a whole different, you know, narrative here. We're probably not even talking about this today. So I knew it was significant to win one of the games, um, you know, almost immediately. I mean, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you have to win one of the two games at home. And after the, the previous night's performance, 
um, you know, it, it was a good ball game. It was a close ball game, but we weren't the offensive team that I knew that we could be. And, and to come out in the way we did in that game too, I think really, you know, aside from winning, we really all kind of got our wings going. You know, we, we, we just really got things going and felt that confidence again and that vibe that we'd been having for the last, you know, the previous month and a half. So um, it was more than just the win. It, it, it was really one of those things where we all just kind of got our confidence that, okay, got that out of the way. Now let's go to work and take care of business. Yeah, that like I said, one of the most memorable games certainly in my life that I can remember. Um, you know, just watching the Angels forever that that was incredible. But then you you go up to San Francisco and the Giants take two of three up there and, and really just hand you a beating in Game Five. So now you come back to the Big A. Um, what kind of pressure was there going into Game Six? I mean, were you guys still feeling like you had a shot to win this thing? Yeah, you know, and that was really of all the series i mean that was a back and forth one and when you think about you know game three we won pretty handily and you know we're feeling pretty good about ourselves and then we lose a close one in game four and you're like okay it's a close one just come out and get the next one well game five we completely laid an egg and you know all of a sudden you're going okay not only did we lay an egg we laid an egg in such a fashion that you kind of lose that energy you know and you're, you're just like oh we hope we didn't lose that momentum right there and I remember flying home that night because my wife was with me. And I mean, that, that flight home, you know, at one o'clock in the morning was just, it was so quiet on that plane. And it was just odd because it wasn't, it wasn't something that was typical for, you know, us. I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't say we were down, but I think everybody was just kind of licking their wounds, kind of going, okay, what just happened, you know? And, and I think that's the first time the gravity of the world series and, this whole playoff run maybe started settling into everybody was that, okay, we're going back home and you know, it's win or go home. And I remember my wife, when we unloaded the buses back at the big A at like two o'clock in the morning and getting in our car and we're driving on the 57 and driving by the big A and it wasn't lit. The halo wasn't lit. And it was very ironic or eerie, but at the same time, we both said the same comment. And the comment was this, it was, it was, you know, would it have been better to have never gotten this far than to come this far and lose? And that 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 is one of those, you know, rock your world moments for me at two o'clock in the morning. And my wife got it. I mean, she totally understood it. I got it at my core. Maybe she was voicing what I was really thinking in, in words that I couldn't quite express. But it really hit us that, you know what, this is a lifetime achievement. This is climbing Mount Everest. And it's, you know, you know, it's 15 yards away and you and you have to turn around and go back. I mean, or are you going to push yourself through and win this? So game six was huge. And I really feel like it wasn't anything I think people were talking about in the dugout. I think players individually probably had the same sentiment I did. And, you know, you had to come out and, and hey, lay it all out on the line one more time. And, you know, and that, that was that was quite a game itself. I mean, you know, some new yeah. heroes in that one, too. Uh, let's talk about game six. I mean, everyone knows the story. You're down yeah. five runs. Giants have the champagne on ice. They're ready to go. They're ready to celebrate at the big A. Oh, but then Scott Spezio. It's a three-run homer in the seventh. Again, one of the biggest in, in franchise history. Erstad, then in the eighth. You got a really big hit. I, I think that this kind of gets forgotten. The hits that you and GA got after that Erstad home run in the eighth really kept that momentum going. And then Troy Gloss finishes it off with the home run. Just like that, you're back in the driver's seat to win the World Series. Um, what do you remember about the end of Game 6? Well, okay, a couple of things, you know, to, 
you know, just to kind of set that up a little bit too. Um, you, you know, you're, you're right. I, you know, we talk about Spezio's home run that kind of got us back into it. And, and the inning before that, I had actually, I think I had a runner on second base and I struck out looking against um, Russ Ortiz. And Russ Ortiz, you know, we, we hit him around in his first time, his first outing earlier, you know, in the series. I mean, he wasn't a guy that really tricked me or I felt like I had a good feel for him. And, you know, I had one of those at-bats where, um, where I felt like, you know, the situation was right. I had men in scoring position. It was, you know, we, we need to get on track and kind of the right guy, right situation. He struck me out looking on a, fa- a cutter inside that I questioned whether it was a strike or not. I was all over it visually, and they, they rung me up on it. And so I went down that next inning, you know, when we're down and, you know, I'm, I'm down in the video room analyzing my last at bat, and I'm watching the monitor, us kind of getting something going, and then we're watching, you know, Spezio's, at bat and I'm down there in the monitor watching it and I'm watching all these fouled off pitches and I just couldn't, I didn't want to pull myself away from the monitor and run up in the dugout and miss anything. So I just stayed down there and I watched this home run from down there. And I just remember coming out and Brad Fulmer, who was always in the cage swinging, he just about tackled me and knocked me to the ground. He's, he was just freaking out. He's like, we're back in this. We're back in this. Get it going. You know, it's like, it just, it pumps so much life back into us that, um, you know, it, it, to me, that's what I remember most about that. And then, of course, I, I think I came back up, and I think I got the hit, and they pinch ran Sean Figgins for me, and, and then Gloss got the big hit. And, um, you know, what, what a way to come back. But you know what? I look back, and, and in hindsight, it doesn't surprise me that happened. That wasn't a fluke. That wasn't something that was unique to that team. We had done that all season long. I mean, I think we had 43 come from behind victories and we had like 16 in late innings. So that was kind of commonplace for that team to come back in late innings. So while the rest of the world might've been seeing this huge comeback as something unique and rare and an oddity, I just don't know if as a team, you know, we felt like it was that, I think it was just like, maybe we felt we never were out of it because we were always that grinding out kind of a team. Where do you think that comes from? Is that is that a manager? Is that a culture? Is that just the guys in the room? Like, where do you think that kind of mantra came from? You know what? I, I think a lot of it comes from um, makeups of personalities and the personalities of those guys in that team. Um, it was unique. I mean, it was very blue collar. Um, you had a lot of guys that cared about. Um, you know, they had a lot of pride in, in always giving their best in everything they did. And they never settled for complacency and they never allowed themselves to fall back into woe is me or to, you know, um, to make excuses for things They you know, always looking for answers. And so I think it starts with the players, but I also think, you know, that you think about the coaches we had on that staff, you know, so going all the way down to Joe Madden and Buddy Black and, and um, Alfredo Griffin and, and Mickey Hatcher. You had a great group of coaches that all had tremendous experience in the game and they knew how to navigate, you know, everything you could experience. And, and, and there was those little lessons throughout 162 games that you maybe learn from them or pick up from them or, you know, they, 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 they build in you, um, you know, that, and then of course you, you have to be tested. You have to be put in the fire. And, you know, we had a fire that season. I mean, we had, <laughs> we grinded out a ton of games that year. And so, you were battle tested by the time we got to the postseason. You know, we didn't walk into that postseason the best team in the game and never really, you know, ever had our backs against the wall. Our backs were against the wall 
pretty much from April on. I mean, after the start we had, so it was a battle tested team that had fought, you know, for six months and we knew what we were about. We knew, you know, what each other was about. We knew where we could, you know, look for answers on that team. And, and, um, you know, I think it, I think it, I think it was just kind of a, a perfect storm of a lot of elements coming together. You talk about game six, 24 hours later, the image that will be stuck in my brain forever for what Tim Salmon meant to Angels baseball was with that gray World Series T-shirt on, holding the trophy, walking around the warning track with the fans at the Big A. How do you describe, Tim, what that moment was like? Uh, you know, it, it was it was pretty special. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's funny because I <laughs> – there's, there, there's some backstory behind that. Um, you know, when we were celebrating, we were in the, in the clubhouse at that point celebrating and Sosha had come in and, you know, he was on the field doing the, the celebrate, I don't know, whatever with the trophy. And he'd come in and he had the trophy and, and everybody's spraying him with champagne. And I was like the first person that he saw and he handed me the trophy and he goes, fish, take this back outside. And I was like, yeah, I'll take this back outside. And a couple of guys kind of followed me out. And, and when I got out there, I, I couldn't believe, the fans were still there and I kind of in the dugout and, you know, slowly I kind of started moving it around. And next, you know, I'm going around the field kind of all off, you know, Cal Ripken trot. And I thought there was a couple of my teammates behind me, but they kind of, you know, I don't know if they've got pushed out or they bailed out by all the reporters, but you know, the cameramen, but next thing you know, I'm like, I'm all by myself and running around this track. And that trophy is heavy. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, to hold it over your head and run the distance I did, I was gassed. I was, I had a few champagne bottles in me too, you know, so sure. I was like, I was more concerned, like, okay, don't drop this thing. I kept thinking lawn darts. I'm thinking those little pennant flags on that trophy are going to lawn dart right in. You know, I'm going to make, I'm going to do a header here. But um, I was running around and I was just like going, oh my gosh, I got to go all the way around this field now. I can't turn around. And I came right around the left field foul pole and, and as I did that, I could see Sean Wooten and uh, I think it was Scott Shields and Fredo Amezaga. And I'm like, and I'm like screaming. They're like, yeah, they're like trying to run alongside me. I'm like, no, take the trophy. Take the trophy. <laughs> I can't hold it anymore. I was begging them. So there's actually a shot of those guys around me. And they're kind of like holding my arms up and then gradually taking the trophy away from me. But um, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. To I didn't realize that, you know, once we'd gone inside, I didn't realize how many more fans that were still out there just wanting to stick around and celebrate. And, and I was so thankful that um, I got to experience that. And, you know, the guys who were out there with me. I think they'd say it was awesome, too, just to be out there for just to soak up the, you know, the last moments of uh, celebration with the fans. Because that's really, I mean, it's for them. I mean, that's, they're the ones that pulled us through the whole year and really stood behind us. And, you know, and as we know, in angel lore, I mean, there's a lot of angel fans that have been there from the beginning that were just so enthused by all that. And so it was pretty cool. It was really cool just to share all that with them on that last little jog around the, the field there. <laughs> that What a story. That, that's unbelievable. I, you, I mean, you mentioned the humble beginnings. We, we just So on AM830, we just played the first Angels game ever in 1961 when – the Baltimore Orioles had four Hall of Famers, and the Angels had like seven combined All-Star appearances. I mean, it was just it was just so funny hearing you know where this franchise came from, and it took a while. There was a lot of heartbreak along the way to get to 2002. Well, 
And, and you know, and, and that's an interesting comment you just made there, too, because, you know, you look at our that team that played in the postseason and won the World Series, there was no postseason experience on that team. There was nothing. That was, I mean, that, that was new for all of us. And so the fact that we were able to, I mean, just kind of go through that, it was almost dreamlike, you know. I mean, it just, you know, we were so sheltered. We were in such a bubble of team that we just didn't allow the world and the expectations of, oh, there's no experience here, and how can these guys do this? It was like none of that penetrated that bubble of confidence that we had amongst ourselves. So that was pretty unique when you think about it. I mean, every team we played was just littered with experience, postseason, World Series experience, and we had none of it. And We went out there and played our game, and we were truly the underdogs. And so that's pretty cool anyway. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it is. And, and it's like I, I, watching the broadcast uh, just the other night of, of game two of the ALDS. They're talking about Eckstein being this great underdog, and he is and was. But, um, the whole team was that. And, and I just think it's really cool. It's really inspiring. Fish, do, do you ever reflect you know, on what that year, what that playoff run has meant for your life? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I stand here today, you know, what am I – 14 years retired it's the crowning achievement and to this day i can look back on a career and you know a lot of a lot of ups and a lot of downs and maybe some missed opportunities and some things that i wish i could do differently but i tell you what the one thing that just soothes it all over and makes that career complete is a, is a world being called the world champion and i know i have probably 30 some odd teammates during that course of that year and I guarantee you they all feel the same way. I mean, they can, wherever they go the rest of their life and whatever they do, whatever achievement, whatever it is they get introduced as whatever, it's always going to be, you can never take away, you're a world champion. And that's the, you know, to me, that's being able to say, hey, I climbed Mount Everest. I mean, how many people in the world can say that? I mean, you know, I was a part of a team that won a world championship and forever, to, you know, to my grave, you know, my grandkids will be talking about that and, and those experiences. So it is so meaningful i always say that you know i i might have had a few years that i probably could have been an all-star but i would i would never trade an all-star experience for a world championship um i am there's a lot of all-stars that never got to win a championship and i guarantee you they'd probably trade um those experiences for a championship as well so um on this end of it it's it's awesome um even my wife i mean you know she'll watch a video or see something from time to time and she she's given birth to four children and she still says being part of that championship run and winning that <laughs> might be her crowning achievement as well. So um, it's so monumental in our in my life today. And and I was going to add one more thing, too. You know, you think about it, it wasn't a fluke because, you know, some of the guys that left that team, I mean, in particular, David Eckstein and Scott Spezio went on to win another championship with the Cardinals. And, you know, we're significant in that. So, you know, we had a lot of guys in that team that, Boy, I tell you what, if we would all would have been a little bit younger, might have gone on and won more championships and maybe for the Angels or in other places as well. So just a great group of guys, great hearts in that room, and, um, you know, just so happy we have that, that great memory. Fish, I was 10 years old when that playoff run happened, and now obviously we got a relationship and we hang out at the ballpark, and I can't wait for more fish talk soon. But uh, to watch you and watch this team go through this now, it's, it's incredibly um, – it's, it's humbling to me to see this team play the way you did, and it's amazing. Fish, I can't thank you enough for the stories to, to go through this with me here uh, on this show. Sincerely, thank you. This is like the best fish talk ever. So uh, thank you so much <laughs> for that, man. 
Well, we're making up for lost right now. I, I, I tell you, I miss those fish talks. I'm hoping we can uh, get things figured out here and get that everybody back to work and enjoying, you know, some of the great things uh, this country has to offer. Me too. No question about that. Fish, thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure, Trent. Anytime. We'll see you soon. Just unbelievable insight right there by the Kingfish, Tim Salmon, going through that with us. I mean, seriously, that that was one of the great listens uh, that we've ever had here on this podcast. And for him to take that time, especially in these times, I have found myself really getting into these games. And you can not only watch the games on Fox, but many of the games are also airing on AM830, the home of Angels Baseball on the radio. So if you're driving around town, picking up some dinner uh, to bring home or whatnot, you can always tune in and listen to these games on the radio. And it's just so much fun going back in time and enjoying, you know, like I talked about at the, at the start of this podcast, not just the intricacies of it, but but understanding the situation. The Yankees being the mighty Yankees and have been a four straight World Series, and, and that was no ordinary Yankee team. That was Roger Clemens and Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams and Jason Giambi. I mean, that was an unbelievably loaded Yankee team. And, and then there were the Angels, who – like Tim Salmon talked about, a lot of above-average players, but really no superstar. And you know they played as one. They were tough. They were gritty. They were clutch. And it was just uh, really fun to have that conversation with Tim. And again, got to check out these games and really relive this playoff run uh, because not only were they all like, yeah, yes, it's a big deal that the Angels would win the World Series and great for the franchise. I'm just talking just from a pure baseball standpoint. These are great baseball games. The drama, the back and forth. Every game felt like it was tight. Every game felt like it had really big moments in it. Uh, So... For all of those reasons, I hope you check these out. And, you know, at the very least, this helps fill the void without any new baseball happening that we get to go back in time and really take in what was the most remarkable month in franchise history, uh, October of 2002. So thanks to Tim Salmon for joining us on the podcast. Thanks to all of you. If you're not a subscriber yet, I really encourage you to do that. We are going to keep having uh, fun guests after fun guests here on this show uh, to get you through this baseball hiatus. And even when baseball does come back, we're going to keep this podcast rolling all the way through. Thanks to all of you that have subscribed already. Thanks to all of you that tuned into this show. Tell your friends because I think you'll agree with me. Hearing Tim Salmon break down the 2002 uh, playoff run and World Series run, and that is like a must-listen. For Angels fans. So tell your friends, uh, show them the podcast, and I'm looking forward to catching up with everybody again next week. For all of us, the Angels Recap Podcast, I'm Trent Rush. We'll see you soon.